Welcome to Green Leather Sofa, the podcast. I'm your host, Ty, and along with my friend, Brandon, each week we take a look at our favorite Black TV shows and movies and ruin them. We'll look at the sociological factors that led your favorite characters to be good, bad, or ugly. Now, let's hop into this episode. I think this is going to be my favorite episode yet. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, and it's not it's not for the reason you think. I think this is going to push us to our debating wits and ends. I don't think that there's going to be too much for us to debate about because I think, honestly, that we're going to take the same side in a lot of things now I I know how you are and sometimes you just like to go against the grain to push my buttons or whatever so in those cases in those cases we might not agree but (laughs) I feel like after watching this movie as an adult we are going to make some of the same points or I'm going to be like you know I actually agree with that you're like really Uh, yes I do hmm Okay. You're going to be surprised. I'm willing to find out. I'm really will- willing to find out because, um, you know, I I had to watch this movie after many, many, many years. And either I never really watched it with adult eyes before or I'm just watching it brand new. And the things I've seen are are troublesome. Yeah. See, I agree. This this movie really, I mean, it was a very popular movie. It was a it was it was a box office you know monster for black films. I think it only cost like sixteen million to make, and it made like eighty two million. So it it did what it needed to do, and what it did for the culture as well. That's what I'm talking about. The soundtrack, the clothes, yeah, the stars that it cast. It was it was amazing. It, it literally, it cultural impact, it, it probably did the most damage to our community of any <laughs> film. I'm talking more okay. than Boys in the Hood, more than, you know, higher learning, more than um, what is something crazy we can throw out there that, that was just like Baby Boy, like all these things that have very strong themes that are or stereotypes. Yeah. Yeah, that are eyesores, like precious, that are eyesores in our community. Wait great a films, but great films. when you watch it, mm-hmm. when you watch it, either you're looking at stereotypes or it's so traumatic mm-hmm. that you can only watch it once. Like, I think I've only watched Precious twice in my life. I've only watched For Color Girls once. Mm, for Color Girls, that's another one. Yeah, but I would definitely put this film, like, on the Mount Rushmore of the 90s movies. I swear to you, I was just going to use that exact term. It's crazy. Okay, we're See, on We're, a, we're, we're here. On, we're yes. Wonder Twins. Yes. Oh, my Our God. Wonder Twin powers are activated. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, this, this movie's the ramifications of this movie is the memes that you see populating every single day on Instagram, every single day on Facebook. It's what's the talk of the town right now because of people like uh, Kevin Samuels, because of 
blue pill, red pill, pink pill content on YouTube. It is literally this was the birth of almost all of it. And this movie is waiting to exhale. Yes. And, you know, I mean, like I said, I have to agree with you because when I think of that one soliloquy with Angela Bassett in her closet and she is mad as hell. Mm -hmm. And when I tell you, I mean, I know that I really can't speak for every black millennial woman who's seen this movie, but I feel like I can say confidently Mm -hmm. that if there's a woman around my age who would be a black millennial woman and she's seen this movie, she knows that entire scene. Oh, yeah. Verbatim. Verbatim. And this is probably why we have so much vitriol when somebody does us wrong. Because y'all it's, really deep down want to do that shit. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm I'm just saying, like, I could just imagine reading that script, feeling all of the pain in that scene, mm. and then you're being given the words, and I don't know if they allowed her to, you know, improvise or if it was all in the script or what. Mm-hmm. But when I tell you the way she made it sound, and she said, you're the motherfucking proper influence. <laughs> and get your shit. Get your shit and get. Them. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie to you, and I wasn't gonna start with Bernadine, but let's let's do it. Um, guys, if you if you ever need to move, like you know, like you're packing up and you're moving into a new space, get you a woman like Bernadine, cause she'll clear your whole closet out in about five minutes. The way she took all this nigga's clothes. <laughs> All Uh this niggas, shoes, everything. She cleared that thing out in five minutes flat. And she packed it all in one car. You over here wasting money on U-Haul. Get this chick on the phone. Like, so, um, how'd you do that? How'd I do what? Mm -hmm. Just like somebody asked her, like, how'd you do that? Oh, oh. (laughs) How'd you you pack everything in the car like this? Can you write a book? Yeah, but she'll like, uh, what's what's the lady? She says, uh, the stuff has to spark joy. Oh, <laughs> what I was saying, man, at least put Bird and Dean on the side of those U-Haul trucks. Like, you know, they have like different pictures on each truck or something like that. Put her face on the side of that <laughs> shit. You know, you're going to pack the whole house up in about an hour or two flat, man. You good. Mm-hmm. Very efficient. But even before that scene, there is something about Bernadine that I watched today and realized today. Are you okay. ready? Mm-hmm. She's mentally unstable. And I'm talking like a severe mental illness. Before he leaves her? I'm sorry? You're saying that before he leaves her. I'm talking her, about from her introduction, and I never saw it before. Her okay, introduction, you're going to have to walk me through this. Okay, her introduction, she's, she's in her vanity mirror. And I found it weird that three of the four women, they started their introduction to the movie in front of a mirror. The only one that didn't was Gloria, who started hers in front of a window. But Can um, we pause there for a second? Because I think that that might be symbolism as well. And I do. you guys, my listeners, my listeners, you know that I'm a teacher and I teach English to ninth graders. Right. Um, one of the things that we tell the students about stories is that there are two types of stories that you can have some that are windows and some that are mirrors. Mm. So the stories, the stories that are mirrors 
reflect you and your experience. You see yourself in these stories. Yes. The windows, the windows are the stories that show you what it's like for other people. You yes. can view, you can look into their lives. I didn't want to pivot here. Yes. Uh, pivot here yet. But yes, you're absolutely right. Because Gloria is the only one of the four that is self-sacrificing. She doesn't, she's not even putting too much energy or effort into her own love life. She's putting all her energy into her son. But that is just as toxic. Everyone else that is looking for love to come to them, they're putting their introduction into that mirror. They're explaining their plight to that mirror to themselves. So when you go back to Bernadine, that's exactly what she's doing. She's looking in the mirror and she's like, I cannot believe I'm going to another one of these boring functions. And you and I briefly spoke about this before, but this was a function that is supposed to, that was lined up to celebrate her husband, John, I believe his name is John, his business's success. Now, right. this is the same woman that claims that she she stopped her life. She stopped everything she had going on for herself. She even went to school and 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 achieved a master's degree in in um an industry that she didn't care for just to support this business. And she is done with, you know, celebrating the highs of the business. I don't think that that's necessarily what that was about. I think that it was to mark how successful his business is Right. that she's been to plenty of these. And the other part of it is like in corporate, some of these awards don't even mean anything anyway. That's true. Um, like you can pay money to be awarded with something. So I think it was to say like, she's been to so many of these because her husband is so successful mm -hmm. that this is just another award ceremony to her. And it's not, as you know important you think about when we do stuff even spectacular things how after a while it kind of dulls the experience for for people like i know i've been to disney world plenty of times and it still had like it still has the same magical feeling yeah but for other people who are not disney fanatics or anything they go to disney more than once and they're just like you know i'm good i'm good yeah nah I, i'm glad i don't have that in me Every time I go there, it feels magical. I don't care. Right, right. <laughs> so so for her, this is like a great experience and you get to celebrate your husband and everything. But when you do it maybe like 20, 30 times, it, it just doesn't have the same effect anymore. The best part about going is the fact that you get to get your hair done and you get to put on an expensive gown. But here's the thing. And here's here's what adds to my argument that she's mentally unhinged. He says, how would you feel if we don't go out tonight? And you saw that like maniacal smirk she had. She was like, oh, I'd be so disappointed. She was ecstatic to not have to go. And he's like, no, 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 no. You don't have to go. But I'm going because she doesn't want to be alone tonight. And she says, she. Right. And. It's so funny to me because in the background, I know I don't know why I never heard it before, but in the background, you hear the emergency signal go off. It's really faint, but in the background, like they mm -hmm. have a TV on and it says we're testing your you know, television for emergency signal beep and the beep goes on. And as soon as that beep hit, 
literally she had a total change of character a total personality change i think she suffers from a personality disorder maybe even oh, schizophrenia i think that's i think that is a reach brandon no 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 listen to me I'm i think i think she may be schizophrenic and i'm going to tell you why and i'm going to support it you're not ready so she immediately <laughs> I think I am. She, okay <laughs> she immediately breaks her gaze in the mirror she snaps at him she's never raised her voice at this point even when she when he revealed i'm going with her and she said she yeah she doesn't want to be alone tonight and i don't i'm thinking that she shouldn't be so you're gonna bring this whore to uh you know in, in front of everybody so everyone can know what, what what's going on like and he's like listen everyone knows what's going on it's just you that don't, doesn't know and then she snaps and she's yelling and she's screaming and she's going off the top of her head. And you know, you know the funny thing about John? Remember his response after at the end of you know her tirade? He says, Thank you for making this easier for me. And at first, I thought it meant thank you for like, you know, like I'm getting the hell out of here and I'm just going. But I really think that he told her that with the expectation that it would maybe break her or make her show a different emotion that she really loved him. But I think that he was looking for like a last ditch, like maybe like a, why Michael, why I love you. Something like that. I don't think he expected her to go off like that, but he was just like, you know what? No, thank you for this. I, I don't feel sorry anymore. I was feeling sorry about this the whole time up until now, because I realized you probably don't even love me. You probably love the lifestyle. You probably love, you know, the life we built together. But somewhere along the line, you lost the love for me on how to love me. And he didn't go about it right by dating this woman. Uh, and, you know, Ber Bernadine knew about this before the movie. She knew about the white woman. But she played it off. She played it off. She, she's been known about this woman. And he wasn't hiding it too much. But I think he was waiting for, like, something. Show him something. So he can get rid of her, the the other chick. And she wasn't. I think she was mentally checked out of the relationship for a while. But I also think that she was mentally checked out in life, okay? What happens next? They pivot to um, Robin's character, and then they pivot to Gloria. And then the next scene, you see Gloria and Robin in Gloria's shop. Here's what was interesting. They're getting the gossip from the gay uh, salon guy, right? He's, you know, doing a hair. He said, girl, guess what I saw the other day? Your girl Bernadine at the Circle K wearing a bathrobe and hair curlers. She was wearing that bathrobe when she was doing her mascara in the beginning. She's been wearing that for days. And guess what? Days later, when Savannah goes to visit her, she's still wearing it. This has been days. She hasn't bathed. She hasn't changed. This is a mentally unstable woman. This is not all in the span of one day. This is days later. All days. right, I'm calling it. I listened. I listened to. No, the you cannot. Explain. You cannot listen. I listened. Oh. Listen to your mansplain long enough. It's not mansplaining. Say, no, no, no. Listen. 
because I listen to mm. you. So, so, because, yes, she she probably was mentally unstable in that moment. Wait, in that in that moment. In what moment? Right after finding out that her husband was leaving her, it's shock, Brandon. It's not. So then she's just dirty. Then wait, wait, no, 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 no. We gonna listen because I I interrupt you now once. I'm right. I'm gonna write she dirty and I'm gonna get back to it. Oh my gosh. Yes, she probably is dirty, but going through possibly depression after this like even if even if she knew that her marriage wasn't the greatest. Uh-huh. And even even though we find out in a later scene that she you know, she put up with some stuff and I'm like in a marriage you're going to compromise and you're not you're probably not going to like every single thing about your partner. Like it's not going to be your favorite thing about them, but this man, who he was, they weren't compatible. They weren't compatible, but they were making it work, whether it was for the kids, for the business or because, you know, after a few years they had history, but uh, Bernadine says later in the movie, and this kind of explains why she would be in such shock because she literally is quoted saying she didn't have a plan B because her marriage was supposed to last. Yeah. So, and you have to take into consideration the time that this was, this was the nineties when people were still very much saying, you know, everything might not be perfect, but we took vows. We're supposed to stick together through everything. And you know, with our generation, it's not necessarily so anymore. It's like when, when marriages start to feel one-sided, mm-hmm. people, people actually leave. They don't try to sit there and be miserable for 15 years or whatever. They leave. They end the marriage. But back then, she's just like, you know, I'm, I'm just going to bite the bullet and stick with my husband. So for him to not only leave her because he claims he's unhappy when the whole time she's unhappy, but to let this woman spend money on a gown, I mean, it was probably his money, but whatever, purchased a gown, got dressed, did her hair, makeup, did all this stuff. And, you know, she's probably happy to spend time with her husband hates going to the stupid thing and you you start the conversation off making it sound like you're actually going to spend some quality time with your wife only to drop this heavy bomb on her when you said that she snapped and you thought that she might have been it might have been like a, a mental break or whatever i think it was shock like she had to process what he was saying first and then when she processed it, that's what happened. Like she reacted to it. And I think that he was provoking her, not because he felt bad about doing this to her. He wanted to feel justified. Yeah, I agree there. Yeah. It wasn't like, I don't think that he felt sorry at all. Not at the end of it. I think he walked into that room feeling, you know, some sorrow. But I think it all went away by the way that she she snapped at him. I don't think the sorrow was ever there. Mm-hmm. I think he was just like, look, this is this is a necessary conversation I have to have so I can go do whatever I want to do. Mm-hmm. 
I don't think he ever felt sorry for Bernie because he was very cold and callous having that entire conversation. And this is the woman who you had a marriage with for all these years. You had two kids with her. And you know, even if you don't want to admit it to anybody else, you know the role that she played in um, in building up that business. Mm. Like, you know. So his POS self <laughs> didn't feel any sorrow. And can we just touch on the fact that Michael Beach plays a terrible husband in a few movies? <laughs> he is. Went, the, from, went from hooking up with the cousin. Yeah. No, this dude is notorious. <laughs> like, he's the notorious dude that you have to hate in films if, you, if you're a woman. The only person who does it better than him, I think, is Blair Underwood. I was just going to say that, too. Blair Underwood is like, well, but like, he's like more the woman beater, though. Like he's like, he's the, he's like, I think if we had another Mount Rushmore for like black husband, like villains, those two are up there for sure. Yeah. Um, and the Allstate guy, I think the Allstate guy too. You you know what? And we're going to talk about him in in this movie being a terrible (laughs) husband, cheating ass. (laughs) Stop. All right. So. I'm gonna try to scale it back real quick and 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 this uh Bernadine introduction, but I, I think that you know days are going have gone by and she's legitimately like she's looking for reasons to be more and more angry. She comes to his closet and sees all of his stuff, and you know the first thing she said, which and this is when my brain started moving in this in this mental health thing that she's going through. You know the first thing she had the nerve to say? What's that? This motherfucker must be insane. Look how perfect everything is. He's like a sociopath. You know, and I'm like, if this ain't the pot calling the goddamn kettle. But I don't think I don't think it was like a mental health thing the way that you're making it seem. I think it was grief. Grief? She wasn't yes. all right. First off, no. I'm tired of this. She wasn't grieving the the relationship she was feeling more embarrassed that people are now going to see him out in the open with this woman not, no she, listen, she, she, listen. she's not yes it's I, I think it's still grief though because and it, it doesn't even have to be the fact that she's grieving him but being married to him made her life something that she was used to and now that the marriage is ending Right. Like that that phase of her life, she's probably grieving that not so much him, but being a married woman. Okay, but I mean, as long as she has been a married woman, he has been a married man and he had to, you know, make that adjustment too. And I you know, one thing but he I, got to make it, he got to make it without any property any damage. Right. Exactly. Without exactly. any property damage, without snapping, without doing all this other stuff. Yes. She she didn't know anything about it. And I mean, it's it's pretty I'm not going to say it's easy, but it's easier to grieve life as you know it when you're the one who's willingly changing it yourself. Do you, it's not happening to you. Do you believe she allowed him to have a side piece? Um I don't think allowed is the word that I would use. I would say that I think that she knew there was possibly another woman before 
that conversation happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, she knew about okay. it. She she knew right away. She said, you're going to have that white B on your arm tonight. Like she knew exactly who it was. Yeah. And that it was a white I person. Think, <laughs> I think that she, she had her suspicions and might not have been able to confirm it. Uh-huh. Like, I, I imagine that if your husband is the CEO of a company and a lot of those employees have been around for a while, things are probably getting back to you. Like someone there is probably looking out for you, especially if you used to work there. Somebody might be looking out for you, might whisper like, yeah, he's doing blah, blah, blah. Mm. And you hear little things. And she might have chosen, you know, it's a fling or he has his little side pieces, but it's nothing serious. So even even if she knew that there were side pieces, she might still be shocked to know that he's leaving her for one of them. Okay. I mean, I have to go into the the callous disregard she had for herself, for her home, and for his property. All while trying to show how angry she was about the situation. Burning the car a couple feet from the house is one of the dumbest things I think I've ever seen somebody do on t- on, 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 in movies. One of the dumbest. Because those flames, they start to, you know, when they start licking different parts of the car and it hits that fuel tank, you're looking at an explosion. And let's say, let's say for some reason, you know, it did happen. You're looking at the house being damaged. He gifted her the house and the cars and pledged that he would keep everything the same. Just not him being in that miserable house with that miserable woman. He didn't, he didn't keep everything the same and him offering the house and the car when he had other assets that he earned based off of her work. Allegedly. Also, no, not allegedly because she got the, she got the stuff in the end. He gave it to her. He didn't, he didn't have to give it to her. He gave it to her. She was losing that. Because remember, he offered that first and then she went to her uh, her lawyer and she was like, what can we do here? And she was like, listen, there's not much you can do. Like, you should take this and run because he doesn't that even. That is not how that conversation went. Okay, so tell me how it went because the she was attorney worried. Said, the attorney said, I'm going to do the best that I can, but you do have your work cut out for you. Why does she have a work cut out for her? Because things weren't documented. Right. And he's saying, I'm doing you a favor here, basically. I'm giving you the home. I'm giving you the cars. Because she wasn't supposed to find out about all the other stuff. Her attorney found that stuff out. Exactly, though. He's been protecting himself for years. No, Lord knows how long he's been feeling like this. And he's been living, like, it's almost like, I don't want to say it's the same thing because I don't want to, you know, but it's like living a life, uh, a lie. Like, you know, it's like living a double life. It was. And it could have been eating him up, too. I don't think so. I think that men like him, they Mm -hmm. already have this stuff planned out. You can't tell me that a man who has his closet as organized as he did doesn't didn't think that Bernadine was going to be his starter wife. And then when he gets where he wants to be professionally, he's going to leave her for you know, the trade in Kanye. What, what did Kanye say? He's going to leave you ass for when a wife. You know, he's going to leave your ass for a wife, girl. <laughs> That's exactly what he did. And you can't tell me 
that a man who was so anal as he was in that movie right. did not think about this already. He knew he was going to leave her. You think he got into the marriage thinking he was going to leave her at some point, or it became? No, that? I think once once his once his company started blowing up or whatever, right? I think he knew that he was going to trade her in for a better model. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I definitely think, and let me tell you, I have some guy friends who are just like John in right. that movie. And they already have mapped out, um, you know, their their ten year plans, but it's very detailed. Okay. It's not just a general, you know, I want to have this, 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 and this. It's like by this year, I'm hoping to get into a relationship with somebody so I can meet somebody, and I believe I can do this because I'm a good catch for it. This reason, this reason, this. Like I have a, a one friend who's coming to mind. And he's got it all laid out like this. I don't think it's necessarily happening that way, but these are his goals and he's inching towards meeting his goals. Okay. I just think some guys are like that. And I definitely think that her husband was one who was like, you know, I'm not staying with Bernie and this is how the divorce is going to work, uh-huh. which is probably why he started hiding those other assets and not telling her. Yeah. So yeah, I think he was thinking about this for a while. Okay. But um, let's jump around to another character. Who do you want to go with? I want to go with Savannah. And okay. I, I want to play a little clip from Savannah's introduction because I found it to be very, very strange, to say the least, okay? I'm going to play it real quick. Fair use. This is from the film that we're discussing for educational purposes, y'all. <laughs> And I'm geeked up for a blind date that's not even all that. Just some party this guy's voice invited my answering machine to when we got worn out playing phone tag. A long time ago, I asked God to send me a decent man. (sighs) Number one, that is the most passive bullshit like sitting on your ass and saying, God, can you just send me a man? Like a man is supposed to just like appear, snap the fingers, appear at your front door, knock on your door. Hey, Savannah, I love you. I want to give you half of everything I own. That is what that is what this message breeds. That is what a lot of churches around the country breed. Just ask him. He'll send him. OK, and then what are you supposed to do to earn it? Am I crazy for that? No, and I mean, even even with my approach to dating that you know about, um, I don't really pursue men, guys. Um, but at all, I'll put I'll put myself in a man's line of vision, like, and what I mean by that is that I go out, I'm social, mm-hmm. or pre, let's say pre COVID, because since COVID's been out, I don't go anywhere really. Um, but pre-COVID, you know, I went out. I did happy hours and stuff mm-hmm. after work. I went to game nights with friends and, you know, anything my friends would have at their house, I would show up, yeah. meet new people. So I wasn't just sitting around. And, you know, if there was a guy who I noticed and I was attracted to him and wanted to see him in person or see him in the light of day, Pay attention to, you know, events that he's going to. I'm not going to be creepy and show up like 
outside of his job or anything. But if I see that he's going to, I don't know, like a game night or something, then I might roll up to that game night. There you go. Putting yourself in his line of sight. And I feel like, you know, I put my best foot forward and not necessarily tell him that I'm interested. But, you know, if if he's interested in me, then he'll step to me. But I don't really slide in DMs or do any of that type of stuff. Um, yeah, I, like Savannah. And the other part with the, the thing with Savannah is the fact that she talked about the waiting on God thing, and then she kind of phrased, like she framed things around God. And I'm just like, but... I don't know if that really lines up, sis. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Like you asking God for, for, for him to send you something, but you over here dabbling with married men. Like, sis, how does that work exactly? Tell us, tell us how it works. I'm sure a lot more people would be interested if it works for you, but I'm going to continue because this is a short clip. I got Robert, Cedric, Daryl, and Kenneth. God sent her four niggas. Come on. What more do you want? God's got some serious explaining to do. Nah, I'm gonna explain it. He doesn't have to explain anything to you. You are a hussy and you came from a woman. Your mom is also a meddlesome. She was probably a former hussy and she didn't teach you how to keep a man. All you did and all you do is use your body to get men and trap them and then use them as a little plaything, and then you you wonder why. Why you can't keep a good one. Why you fell in love with a married one. It's all you, baby. So my prayers got more detailed. Like, how about some compassion? Could he have a sense of purpose? A sense of integrity? Could he listen? The truth is, most men are deaf. They prefer to guess what you need, but they don't guess worth shit. I mean, part of part of courting, part of dating, it's all on the man. We don't know y'all from a can, a can of paint, all right? But what we're going to do is... We're going to take you out nice places. We're going to buy you things. We're going to create moments, but it's stuff that we come up with. We don't know if you like it, but we guess. And if you like it a lot, then maybe we'll go out. So when it comes to us being quote unquote deaf, we're not deaf. We're used to doing things on our own for you. If it's right, it's right. If it's wrong, you'll tell us. But I don't think that's the same as us not listening. I think we listen a lot. Sometimes I think I think we listen a lot more than y'all think that we listen. Oh, I know y'all listen because, I mean, you know, I have a lot of guy friends. Mm-hmm. And the stuff that comes back to me sometimes, we're just like, oh. Okay. It's like, oh, shit. Yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think they'd catch that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to finish this up. They lie without a conscience. What they're best at is convincing us we should feel desperate. Thank God I don't fall for that shit. But you do. You are desperate. You're begging God to send you something for nothing in return. No work. Nothing. You are desperate, miss. You are the epitome of desperate. Your biggest love influence throughout the whole movie is a married man that doesn't give you Shit. She is desperate and she is looking in the mirror 
I'm watching this right now. She's looking herself in the mirror with this I'm strong face telling us she's not dumb enough to fall for that and be that desperate. You're beyond that desperate, baby. You are capital D desperate. And it's time to start saying that shit. It's time. It's time to come off your little high horse and live life. Because everyone else, everyone else that's not afraid to say I'm desperate for love and I'll do whatever I need to do to fix myself, to become a whole person, to go out there and date on a very equal front. Those are the people that's finding somebody. Not someone standing in the mirror lying to us during a freaking monologue and blaming God that you don't got a man. You named off four niggas. I wish we could look those niggas up. I, I'm going to end it right there. I, I'm, I'm so done with Savannah. I hate her character. I hate her character. I'm going to see. And, and you know what? To be honest, I think Savannah is probably one of those girls who grew up in the church. Oh, and yes. was spoon fed, spoon fed every reason to not be with the man. Oh. And and listen, Brandon will tell you guys that my standards for men is really high and not even just the men that I date. Like my standards for men that I am friends with is really high. And I'm quick to call a guy out on some stuff. However, I do think oh, that yes, that's the truth. sometimes sometimes women can be really ridiculous with standards mm. about who they will date and who they won't date. And I'm, the reason why I'm framing it like this is because the scene where she meets the blind date, this is what she's getting ready for, if I'm correct, right? Mm -hmm. The yeah. scene with the blind date, it's at a party, which I think is great for a first date, blind date situation. If he showed up and he looks like a creep and you don't want to have anything to do with him, you don't necessarily have to um, reveal yourself. It's a blind date. He doesn't know what you look like anyway. So you don't have to reveal yourself to him. The thing is, it's a first date that's at a party. You guys have no real obligation to each other. Yes, you're meeting up so that you can enjoy and spend time. But when Kenya approached him, I don't know why that was enough to, to make her walk away like that. That's a good point. And I'm just like, it's a first date, sis. And this is a party. He might already know people here because he invited you. And all Kenya asked was if they were going to dance tonight. You didn't even give him a chance to say, no, I'm actually here with somebody else. You walked away. You abandoned your date. And I'm like, that could just be his friend, like his good friend or whatever. And you walked away, didn't even try to get, and she's just like, nope. Not doing it. Shows a weakness. That's not a strength. That is a weakness. That was a lot of insecurity because yes. I'm just sitting there like if I was in that situation on a date at a party and it's the first time that I'm meeting this man, I don't think that I would feel threatened by another woman approaching him. Because first of all, women who know him don't have any reason to think that he's on a date. It's a party and he's just talking to one woman at a party. Bingo. Nobody knows if you guys are on a date except you guys. Bingo. So I, I really thought that that was BS. I'm just like, wait, what? It was it was large, large, large BS. And I'm glad that you said that because 
I wasn't going to try to make a point of that, but that is a very big point. And let's be clear. I'm not, I'm not trying to cape for this guy because I thought he was, Oh, he was a piece of shit. Yeah. All the men in this movie are a piece of shit too. Don't get just because we're like focusing on the women, like the men are shit. The only, the only one who I think was like a good man. Huh? The neighbor. Yeah. Rest in peace, Gregory Hines. We'll talk about him because I don't think things are what they seem in that situation either. But to end up Savannah, um, it's funny because while you were talking, I, I thought of a point that I never thought of. So I wrote it down and I'm going to tie it all in because I think there is a major tie in between three characters. A major okay. tie in uh, a, a sociological ineptitude that three of them share. So I guess we can move on to Robin. Oh, yes. Let's talk about Miss Robin. Miss because... Robin is a hoe. Wait, what? I'm sorry? I said, wait, what? She's a hoe. She's a 90s woman. I mean, freak Nick. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I think it's all synonymous. <laughs> no, no, no. What do you want? Robin, Robin showed us situationships. She before probably... the term was coined. Yeah, but even with men that she has absolutely no attraction to? Absolutely none. Well, okay, so let's let's talk about that. The situation with Robin and Michael. She's sleeping her way to the top, it looks like. I don't think it was so much of that. I think that Michael looked good on paper. Right? Michael looked really good on paper. What paper is this? Brandon, I'm talking about everything aside from his physical features. I, I'm talking about that. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm but wondering. I'm like, she knew what he did for a living. Probably knew his salary, too, because they worked together. And, I mean, Robin wasn't balling like some of her other friends. There you but go. She, but she still was doing pretty well for herself. I, I thought um, that at first. Because these are supposed to be four successful women. You know, it's supposed to be in the in the vantage point of four successful women. But I'm like, why is she living in that tiny ass apartment? It's just her and her dog. She doesn't need a lot of space. Live alone. I mean, buy a dog. Buy a dog. Die alone. That's where this. That's exactly where this. That, that whole thing comes let, from. Let me let me get back to my point. Yeah. So this guy from work uh-huh. looks good on paper to her. Okay. And I think that. You know, Robin told herself, like, you know, let me give the good guy a chance. And I'm, you guys can't see it, but I'm doing little air quotes. Um, we hear this, this suggestion from men quite a bit that we don't need to just focus on the attractive guys. We should give so-called good guys a chance, right? And I think that that's what she was trying to do. Because she's had the super attractive, hot guys that she was talking to, like uh, Russell. I'm sorry, was it? Yeah, Russell. Russell, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, Russell's played by Leon, so he's supposed to be this really gorgeous guy who who lays the pipe pretty well, leaves her satisfied, but he's married. So even though he looks really good, he's like, a terrible person to be in a situationship with because it's really messy. Um, so she's talking to Michael. 
because he has a stable job. He seems to be an ambitious guy and he treats her nice. So she's like, I'm going to let him get some or whatever. And they hook up. Now, that whole scene, we're going to have to circle back because it was a hot mess. And there's the topic of like guys who think that they're really doing something in the bed and they're not. And then they're the guys who want to talk the most smack. And it's annoying. And I'm telling you, nothing would make me get out of the mood faster than if I was in that situation with a guy who can't do anything but is talking so much smack, right? But I think Robin was trying to give a genuine chance to him. And then after that terrible round, they had this amazing pillow talk. And even then, she feels like he made me feel so nice that I'm going to ignore the fact that the sex is terrible. And I'm going to envision what life could be like with this guy. And some women, unfortunately, do fall into that, and they do end up marrying the guy. Thankfully for Robin, she got to see his true colors at work or whatever. And I don't even think what he did was too bad. But like she said, he was doing his job and she didn't like it. So she cut him off. But I think a lot of women end up with the guy that, you know, just looks good on paper and it's not who they would have chosen otherwise. Like if they could choose, they're going to choose somebody who looks like Michael E. Jordan, Idris, something like that. Not, not Wendell Pierce. Now, that's not to call Wendell Pierce ugly because I think... By the time he was acting on Treme, I think he did get more attractive. Don't judge me, Brandon. But I think he did get a little bit more attractive what you since waiting to exhale. Cause that it wasn't even it's not even about how he looks. It everything about that whole sex scene was just sloppy and weird and cringy and he's sweating after two pumps and it's dripping on her face. I'm like, yo, what in the hell is going on? And so why I guess is this we're happening? circling back now. <laughs> it took him like, you know, 30 seconds to put the condom on. It was just everything like that should turn a woman off and dry her up. It, he could like he did everything that you're not supposed to do. Everything. I'm going to fair use it. I'm going to fair use it because it, it's just the way she described him. It always stood out to me. For 20 years, it stood out to me. Let's listen. Michael and I work for the same insurance company. Mm. He's just been promoted onto my marketing team. Michael is no Russell. I mean, he's not pretty, but he is available. First off, this dude comes into the bedroom after like, I, I in my mind, I think he just took a shit and blew up her bathroom and didn't even wash his hands because all you hear is the he toilet flushing. Like <laughs> he looked like he just dropped a fucking deuce in her toilet and then just rolled out like, yeah, all right, now what's up? What's up? <laughs> oh, <laughs> a Kodak moment. Michael had to be about a 38D. My brain was saying, put she, your She measured his cup size. That is hilarious. That's fucked up. And don't come back, you human submarine sandwich. 
how do you call a nigga a human submarine sandwich and then still let him bus inside of you? Please. She made him wear a condom, Brandon. And we know she never does that. We know she never does that. We did learn that. Okay, then. All right. Maybe maybe she did it with the, the cokehead. No, but here's the thing. And this is this is also was very popular of women at that time that taught women how to do stuff moving forward. Do you really think that she counted the submarine sandwich as one of her bodies if someone were to ask her? No. No, she's exactly going to have that. exactly. And this is why men have learned to say, whenever she tells you a body count, multiply that thing times three. This is why. Because of shit like this, you know she'll never admit to fucking the submarine sandwich. She never would. But that wasn't even the most fascinating part of this scene. You know what was most fascinating and Savannah did it too? What's that? They mentally forced themselves to see the best in these losers. Savannah was with Lionel. She's with the submarine sandwich, remember? And he kissed her softly and said, listen, whatever it is you want, whatever it is you need, I want to give it to you. And she said, and that's when I closed my eyes and I exhaled. Shut that dumb shit up. You forced yourself to love this situation. You saw something in him that you didn't see five minutes prior. But because he said one good line, one good line, you were you opened your whole world and I'm pantomiming her vagina opening up. You opened your whole world to this dude now, all of a sudden. Now, you can see a future with him. Now, you can see that house in Scottsdale. This is the problem. This is the problem. And they all have it. Bernadine did it with her husband. That's why she's in a long-term uh, marriage that's now ending. Gloria did it with a gay dude. And that's why she's you know in her situation. And these two are doing it in real time. They force themselves to exhale. And listen, I, I thought that Robin was like so smart, such the quintessential um, 90s woman <laughs> and the woman that many girls my, my age growing up, like you wanted to be that kind of adult. Just like the girl who walks past like a pack of men and turn heads and you don't want them to harass you, but you want them to notice you. You see, like back then, yeah. before 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 everyone was woke, mm -hmm. you know, that's the type of attention that I guess people wanted, and you wanted to be Robin. Watching this as an adult and just like sis, he was he was doing cocaine. Yeah, and I know that in 2021, some people are like, well, cocaine is not that bad. It's a party <laughs> thing. I still don't, you know. We, I don't we were in the 80s. Anybody. <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to deal with anybody who's doing cocaine. Yep. I don't I don't want to deal with that. First of all, I think it's a stupid way to spend your money. Mm. One. And two, you know it's addictive. Mm. And that being said, like you can just find yourself um doing anything for it. And I'm just like, Troy wasn't even all that anyway. Now, that's not to say Michael T was not attractive, because I think he is, but he was not worth you staying with somebody who's doing coke at a party that he forced you to go to. Yeah. And I do think it's funny that Savannah 
had the nerve to say stuff like it was just really really ironic what savannah said about the cocaine you know you know i think a lot of things were ironic what they say Mm -hmm. because in one scene like when robin was with um troy and he was smoking i think in the car and she was so disgusted by it so disgusted by the fact that he would smoke in the car but oh that's disgusting too but the women were all at the club smoking together at the table she was smoking savannah was smoking and angela was smoking they all smoked yeah. cigarettes but like that cigarette smoke in a car i'm so happy that there are laws like to where people can't do it anymore the cigarette smoke in a car just stinks so bad and it gets in your upholstery if you don't have like a Okay, Leather but they they smoke together in a freaking club. They have their best outfits on with their hairs done, and they smell like cigarettes. Like how attractive. That's why I'm glad we're here. We're here in the, in the 2000s, yo. I can't imagine going up to a very attractive woman and she smells like Cool's Filter Kings. I can't imagine it with the life of me. I can't. I can't. Or mm. Virginia Slims. I could see Savannah smoking a Virginia Slim or something like that. You know, but. Just imagine walking up to a woman and she smells like a pack of cigarettes in the club. That's nuts. Man, I just, I just really think it's ironic, though, that Savannah was the one trying to wake her up like this guy's doing cocaine. Because Whitney Houston, like it's coming oh, from Oh, you know what? <laughs> it's coming from Whitney Houston's <laughs> mouth. You you are you are a hole for that. Okay, I didn't, I didn't even no, I didn't even see no, that. No, no. The first few times I watched this movie, it didn't even hit me like that. Watching it as an adult, and you see Whitney Houston oh. say, "What do you expect him to say? I'm a crackhead." And I was like, that felt personal, and oh. it makes me think about that interview where crack is she whack. said, "Yeah, crack is whack," and I was like, "Well, what do people expect her to say? I'm a crackhead." <laughs> Yeah, I you it know what's really ironic. I, I went into like Whitney preservation, uh, um, you know, Whitney protection mode, preservation. I didn't want to. I want to separate Savannah from her because what I tend to do is I, I tend to let the people that they pl- that some of these actors and actresses play define the person. And I really disliked Savannah's portrayal. I thought that she was just a very horrible character. And that leaves us with Gloria. And Gloria is living her son's life for her, basically. It, keeping him bottled up in, like, in a bubble. Oh, yes. Yes, yes. And, you know, honestly, he is the quintessential son husband. Um, you could tell by the way he says things. Like, he, he, he says things like a normal teenager would, but he's afraid. He's afraid to speak the truth. You know what? And I know we moved on from Robin, but I have to say this. At the end of the movie, we see Robin choosing to have a baby. Alone. Exactly. And I'm just like, it's just like Gloria is your friend and she's literally the example of what happens when you exclude the father from the life. Oh my God. I just knocked over my my yak. Oh my God. Thank you. That is exactly, exactly what I wrote down. You were were connected. There's like an umbilical, there's an invisible umbilical cord that connects us. That is exactly what I wrote down. 
exactly what I wrote down. I'm so excited. Thank you. Like to me, that doesn't make any sense. And they're supposed to be in their thirties. I can understand if they were in their twenties or something like that. And Robin made that choice. I would say, okay, you know, as a 20 something, I can understand her making that choice, but I'm like, she's in her thirties and you literally have this woman who has gone through this exact process from start to finish, not by choice. Uh. And you're going to choose this Uh. for you and your child. You don't have to like Russell. You don't have to talk to Russell like beyond the child. Yeah. But to deny your child access from the father, it's. Oh my God. I don't know. Yes. I don't know. And yes, and yes, Russell did something crappy the first time you got pregnant. Yeah. And you had to get an abortion. I completely understand that. But I don't see how it's a slap in his face. To absolve him of the responsibility. I see. That that doesn't that doesn't do anything. The three characters that I wanted to circle in together was John Jr., Bernadine's son, Tariq, and Savannah. These are three stages of people that are affected by single mother households where the father is either completely out of the picture or villainized. You saw the disdain from John Jr. when his father would come around to pick them up. He looked like he wanted nothing to do with his father. Yeah. Now, I know that you and your husband are breaking up and there's a divorce coming. You have to make sure that he is as far away from that vitriol, that emotional damaging, you know, whirlwind as possible. He is still that boy's father and allowing <clears throat> your son to persist in this this growing hatred for his father it's only going to affect him then you have Tariq Gloria's son who he has absolutely no respect for his father his father comes around and he's off in his little beach house in the backyard right he wants nothing to do with his dad oh my dad's agate that's what he said he doesn't even have respect for his father to even, you, you know, know what? It's interesting because she did. She did check him on using she the did. word. She did check him on using but, the word. But in the same breath, she said, if your daddy wasn't gay, mm-hmm. I send you like, that's how you found out. If your daddy wasn't gay, I send you with them. Right. And I'm just like, okay, so. What's that have to do with anything? <laughs> it's, it's, I'm like, there's so much homophobia right there. What you just said, but now you're checking him for, for saying some homophobic phobic slurs and i just thought that was interesting i mean and also listen you have to understand that Tariq, he is now of college age he's going to be in the real dating pool likely the same dating pool that his mom is in right and every woman he comes across and he talks like that about you know homosexuals and he acts like he has to be so different from his dad guess what he's going to be labeled as Toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. Where did he learn that from? We have to we have to really point the source in their face. Gloria is the mm-hmm. cause for that. And the you know, his father, he does come around. He does try to not make often. not often, not often. But is he welcome ever? No. But he still at least he tries. And he says, listen, if he wants to have a relationship with me, I'm open for it. 
I'm here. I can't force him and I can't force you to make this look like a better situation than it is. But I'm still here. The last the last person, Savannah. Savannah is the adult form of somebody that dealt with Tariq Jr. I mean, Tariq and John Jr. This is a life cycle. And Savannah is the final step where she can't even live her life without calling mommy every day. Oh, you know, you know, he called here looking for you, Savannah. You should give him a call. All right, I'll give him a call. I'll give him another chance. I'll do this. I'll do that. Savannah's mom is, is a bum. Let's put it out there. And I don't understand, like, I, I have to to bring this to the podcast because I feel like other people have the same question, all right? Mm -hmm. Savannah seems like she makes a lot of money, and they even said that Savannah took a pay cut yeah. for the job that she has at the time of the film. She lost that job to um to Jordan's character in Best Man. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I was thinking that, too. And another, I don't know what it is today. But we're on the same page. Hey. Um, but here's my question. If Savannah makes so much money and Savannah has such a nice house. Uh-oh. Why the hell is her mom on food stamps? Ooh. I just need to know. Like, I can understand why she didn't move her mom in because her mom seems very overbearing. And it seems like Savannah doesn't have the balls to step to her mom. Mm -mm. It's like not until the end of the film. Like, mom, this is my life. You're not about to no. Yeah. She doesn't have boundaries with her mom. So I can completely understand if you don't have boundaries with your parent, why you would not want them to move into your house. Mm -hmm. Completely understand that. But Savannah, you can't like wire your mom some money slide her something and i know that this is the days before a cash app or anything but you can't slide her some money for some groceries you can western union that thing right i mean eventually she ends up doing it but the mom is telling her she only got 58 dollars worth of food stamps and i'm just like girl you're well to do from what i could tell why is your mom on food stamps but she might be on drugs the mom might be on drugs yo that that's the only thing that fits for me like there's no reason why i mean that she couldn't be making her own living or you know if she had been working all this time back then they had like pensions and stuff like that like or retirement or you know 401k or something like that it depends on her age range of course but for her to be like dependent on the government and stuff like that and you know nah something's not adding up something is definitely not adding up with you know her mom but it shows. And I think I made um, I made some reference of it in our group. But I said that. Parents need to stop expecting their kids to save them. I don't expect my kids to save me. Mm -hmm. I want them to live their own lives. And I got to say that quietly because they're here and I. I do want them to save me. <laughs> no, but um, and you know, you know, I also think that parents have to realize like your kids don't owe you for you doing what you're obligated to do. Right. Exactly. Like you chose to have your kids. They didn't ask to be here, and you did your job, your obligation, because you decided that you wanted trophies from your sexual experiences. Mm, yes yes 
<laughs> yes, exactly. Like, I think that Gloria would have kept that boy in the house forever. If the, if, 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 um, oh, damn, what is his name? Uh, I don't remember the character's name, but it's like Gregory Hines' character. I'm not going to, he, he deserves a little bit of respect. I, I just wish. I mean, I, I, I'll put some respect on his name. Gregory Hines, Marvin. Is, you know. Marvin. Okay. Yeah. Gregory Hines, you know, great talent, lost him way too soon. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm definitely putting respect on his name. I just couldn't remember his character's name. Um. Damn good tap dancer too. But um, yeah, it's like, honestly, until he stepped in and said, listen, you should just let the boy do his thing. And she went off on him. She was like, no, how dare you tell me what to do with him? Blah, 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 blah. Like, yeah, he is a human being. Your son is a human being. And guess what? He may want to experience life. He still needs to be equipped on how to deal with a woman. I'm tired of this whole thing. You know, women are saying, oh, you know, I'm, I'm my son's queen. And I think it was under that 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 post that uh, the Ace Hood post. And he's talking to his mom and his mom, his mom was like upset that she, that he cut her off in order to support his wife and his kids. Right. And she's like, you know, it really hurt me. It hurt me that you left. And I'm sitting and there. I'm like, he don't owe you that. No, he doesn't. And some, some parents, that is their retirement plan. Yes. That is their retirement plan. They put their kids in these sports because they want them to go on and be professional. Draft night. They happier than the kiddies. And they have no plans of ever having to work mm -hmm. again. My kid made it into the NBA. We're set. My kid did this. My kid did that. And I'm just like, you can't even do that because your kid is going to, like you're setting, you're setting it up so that your kid is going to disappoint you when they make a choice for themselves because you are entitling yourself to them. Like, look at Kobe's parents. Yeah. Like, you are saying that you're entitled to this because of what you put in. And yes, I understand some kids do want to honor their parents because they know, like, hey, my parents made the sacrifice so that I could play school in this other school district. And, you know, we had to scrape by so that we could live in this school zone. I completely get it. But to to say that your child has to do that with their money when they might have life goals that they want to reach and this life-changing amount of money is going to allow them to do some of the other things they want to explore besides whatever sports or, you know, whatever opportunity, music that they're pursuing, you know? Mm -hmm. I just think it's I think it's disgusting to watch sometimes to watch these parents. Yeah. And thank goodness, like kid actors and kid entertainers, there are laws that protect them and their parents can't touch all of their money. Like there has to be something in reserve for these kids when they're younger. Macaulay Culkin was a very big example of that, but look at what's happening to Britney Spears. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a shame, but like, honestly, back to the movie, Gloria, you know, she, she was afraid to let him be a man. And that's why we have so many, you know, man childs living out, you know, living in the world right now, polluting the, the dating pools, you know, because we have a lot of, you know, single overbearing moms that just can't let go. They don't want to let go. I don't know if they're afraid of the women, you know, in the dating pool later on. I don't know if they're afraid of being alone. 
But as she started to heal, as she started to look at herself in the mirror and find that the path to him becoming a man is her healing herself. Absolutely. So she could be nurturing to that. He missed out on all of his more developing years of learning what he needed to learn. When Marvin came around and they started clicking, you know, mm -hmm. Gloria was sitting there like, this is what it could have always looked like. Exactly. And you know what? She, she got in her own way. And yes, it's because she has like a husband's son, but I also think it's because Gloria has some traditional values and I think that she didn't want to add any more bodies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, and a, that's another like stupid that. thing. I think that's a kind of a stupid, like, because you, y listen, y'all can lie about bodies anyways. So her putting bodies on, that's like the fear of putting bodies on. It's like, who cares? But no, I'm just like, this is the guy that you're throwing yourself at. We don't hear Gloria until she meets Marvin. She doesn't talk about any other man except her son's father. And I'm like, he's not even being a father to your child. And you're still about to let him hit. What is wrong with you, girl? What is wrong with you? Like, if she was one of my, um, if she was one of my friends. Yeah. And she was telling me this, like, she's trying to, she's trying to seduce Tyreek's father. I'm like, are you serious right now? <laughs> he hasn't even been a father to your child and you're going to let him hit. Yeah. What is wrong? Like, it wouldn't have been a nice conversation. Yeah. It wouldn't have. I'm like, sis, you need to wake up because this makes absolutely no sense. And she knew that he was homosexual at that point, too. So I, I just don't really understand. Like, is it is he manipulating her or is she desperate? I don't know. She's desperate. She's desperate. And I think that it was safe for her to try with the guy that she's already been with like he fathered your child you've been with him before and the last time you saw him two years ago um you guys tried to sleep together he couldn't get it up but mm. tried to sleep together so you figured this time you're going to try again because to her it might have been guaranteed penis <laughs> it might have been and I, I just keep thinking the about only when she was talking she to Bernie. Yeah, I was thinking about uh, her conversation with Bernie, where Bernie said that, you know, she got it in with some other guy because mm. she has needs. Yeah. And, you know, Gloria was looking down on her and basically trying to make her feel bad because she's like, well, you took a vow and every <sighs> like those those vows are null and void. Her husband, her husband had a whole affair and cheated on her. We're going to talk that about this. Is, that marriage is over. We're going to talk about these church girls infiltrating the, the girls groups and being the judgmental one and trying to hold everyone to some kind of like, you know, moral cree. And they're doing some dirt, too. But she'd be the first one to be all up in people's faces. Like, remember when um uh, when Bernie, when she was dancing with some dude at, in, the, in that same club? And she was just like, I can't believe she's doing that. <laughs> what are you doing? The, the moment that this man, you know, you see this man unload his U-Haul truck, should have had Bernadine's face on it. 
the moment he saw her unloading that truck to move into his home, oh, she put on her little hussy walk. She pulled up her skirt. She got her breasts, you know, all up. And she walked over there. That was, that's not, what was, what was churchly about that? She was going over there to get some. She didn't know if he was married. She didn't know if she, if he had a girlfriend, nothing. But she knew she wanted to be seen. And she didn't even know that he was the neighbor. She thought he was the moving guy. Yeah. She, she didn't know anything from anything. And she knew that she wanted to get some. That's it. So she ain't no different, but she's going to be the first one to start talking to you about why you shouldn't be doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And you were divorcee. Exactly. You were divorcee. And you still, you're supposed to still be, uh, uh, you cherish that man's memory and never, you know, date again or something like that. Fuck out of here. Cause she wanted, she wanted validation, I think for what she chose to do. Right. Which was put her life on hold for her son. Right. And now she wants her son to put his life on hold for her. Exactly. 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 She expects him to make that same sacrifice. And he doesn't know what it took for her to get to that. He's just like, I'm a kid. I want to I want to have fun. Remember when she said that they could stay at home, I think, and watch music videos or movies or something like that. I was like, he's 18. He does not want to sit home and watch TV with you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yo he kids doesn't. kids grow out of things fast kids grow out of things real fast no like my six-year-old doesn't want to watch videos with me my three-year-old <laughs> definitely oh he's four his birthday passed i'm gonna have to get used oh to you that. gotta you gotta get used to it yeah but he he's four and he watches all the videos with me we can sit down and watch a cherish, movie and cherish he'll, it. he'll sit there the whole time cherish it man but, that six-year-old, he's like, no, mom, I want to go play Mario. <laughs> That's how it be like, yo. Um, Okay. So let's get into some iconic moments. All right. I want to go first, if you don't mind. Oh, of course. That balcony scene was hilarious. It was toxic. And it, I mean, it's cringe, but while you're watching it you have to notice the fact that the theme from romeo and juliet (laughs) is playing in the background and what's so funny about that is because there are two great balcony scenes in film history and you know romeo and juliet is a play but yeah in film history romeo and juliet is the balcony scene that the lighter hued people are going to think of yeah. when you say the balcony scene. That's what's going to come to their mind first. You say the balcony scene of black people, we're thinking about this one. Yeah. Yeah. And, Where, it's, <laughs> and it got nasty. It got really, really toxic. <laughs> really toxic. <laughs> and I'm saying it's funny mainly because that music is playing in the background while this whole scene is going on. And of course, the you raggedy bitch thing is mean now. <laughs> but I'm like, I guess this is what conversations or arguments with cokeheads what it's like. <laughs> imagine Guys a cokehead calling you. Best. Imagine a cokehead calling you a raggedy bitch, man. <laughs> right, right. I would have picked up one of those oranges and thrown right back too. <laughs> and this dude is wearing a friggin' leather vest. In in the desert, he was on his like Seminole Indian vibe, yo. Like, yeah. Oh my gosh, 
my dad growing up, he had a friend who used to wear leather a leather vest in the summertime. He could have been a, a you know, motorcycle, um, you know, like a, a a club member or something like that. Nah, he was trying to he was trying to look like he was in Jodeci. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he was trying to look like he was in Jodeci, walking around, looking like he's hot and not not in a good way. <laughs> like he's burning up like a sauna. I vividly remember because my mom didn't really care for this friend and she used to make fun of him all the time. Yeah, oh, Lord. All the time. Let me think of an iconic moment. Mm. I mean, the submarine sandwich thing always stands out to me. Um, but, and then, of course, the car thing. I also think, um, I just, I, for me, it was the fact that as much as she talked, as much as Robin talked shit about Mike, the way he did her and checked her professionally, because he knew his limitations. He knew that she was way out of his league, but not in that boardroom. And she made sure, I mean, he made sure that she knew that. He quickly checked her right on those analytics. Boom. No, actually, I did this. Killed it. Killed it. I loved it. And it's her ego. It's her pride that got bruised. And all of that trash talk that she had, all of that trash talk, it went down the toilet. As it should have. If you ask me. Because she really thought that, like, honestly, she. I don't know if friends do this, so I'm going to ask you. You have a, a, a group of sister friends, a womanhood group, right? Yes. Do you ever think to yourself like, oh, I'm doing better than her? She's For my friends? Even with friends. Like, is there a healthy competition between you and your friends on certain things? Who gets no, married first? Um, who is happier? When everyone has their husbands around, like who has the, who looks more like the better couple? Who has the better boyfriend? You know, this, you know, all these little things. I think, no, I, I don't think it's a competition, not with my friends. Mm -hmm. um, I think there is a consciousness of where people are. It's not so much to say that this person is better off or worse off than mm -hmm. anybody, but there's a consciousness like, oh, so-and-so was able to, you know, get their house or this person has a new partner and their partner is attractive. Good job, sis, whatever. Mm -hmm. So there's a consciousness of, oh, this is this is the type of person that so-and-so could pull. This is the type of house that so-and-so can get. This is the degree that so-and-so can earn. Yeah. So you realize these things, but as far as me and my friends, I don't feel like it's a competition. I don't think that I would really be friends with anybody who's who's doing all of that. I I asked that because I remember in the in the salon scene when they find out about Bernie. You know, Robin's described as an independent woman, but she is mm -hmm. like she she likes to flaunt the fact that she doesn't clock in and out for a nine to five. In fact, she said it in not so many words. Like, I don't, I, you don't, you don't see me clocking in and out of a job, you know, like that. I, I, I move on my own pace. 
And she she likes to put that out there like, you know, like she's a boss, you know. And like I said, man, seeing seeing homeboy check it like that. Mm, I loved it, man. It was it was it was it was wonderful. But that leads me to my kind of my next point. And that is if I can turn the page. I don't think that they're really friends. The four women. You don't think they're friends? I think I think the term is lo- used way too loosely. I don't think they're friends. All right. I want to hear where you're going with this. Okay. I already have sort of a rebuttal. Okay, good. Just just based off of that. All right. But I don't know where you're going with it. So I might not need a rebuttal. Mm-hmm. But let's hear how you explain this. Why was it days before Bernadine and her business came out and it came out from the gay dude at the salon? These are not her girls now? These are not the girls that she does everything with? How come they don't know? Isn't that kind of like a big thing? So, wait, is this your explanation? Because I haven't. No, it's my question. Because why would she tell him and not tell any of them? It's been days. Here's here's what I thought of when you said that you don't think that they're friends. I don't think that their friendship is what most of us took away from what their friendship was. I don't think, like how you just said that they do everything together, I don't think that okay, that's do necessarily together. the case. I don't think that they're as close as many people think. Right. I think that they're friends but I don't think that they're as close as people think. Um, I think they may be friends who saw each other maybe every couple of months and maybe, you know, that's what I'm getting at. Even, even, okay. So my friends groups and stuff like that, it might be a group of friends, but then of course you have people who break off and they're a little bit closer. And actually when we were talking about, I think best man, I was like, even being in a sorority and you have multiple women in one line, but then there are always women who have really, really strong friendships with certain line sisters. And it's not to say that they hate the other line sisters. It's just like, you don't have as much in common. Yeah. So I think that there are best friendships within the group. And off the top of my head, I can't remember who might be closer to who, but you also have to consider the dynamic that, they're different ages at different points in their lives, different incomes from what I can tell. And, you know, they might not be as close as everybody. Like everybody sees four best friends. Thank you. But it could just be, it could just be a circle, like a sister circle that checks in with each other every now and then. That's kind of what I was getting at. I think that we have put this, thing on them to make them closer than what they really are because when when news finally got out about bernadine and savannah goes to visit her she'd never been to bernadine's house before she's like oh this is a really nice house and then to me i was like wait hold up it's the first time you've seen her house that's kind of crazy that's 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 what's a little bit confusing to me and maybe our listeners can, you know, give us some feedback or whatever. 
Um, but Savannah moved there from somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, how long has she been living in Arizona? Right. And, you know, if she was in Arizona the whole time and she moved from a different place, where was that place? How far away was it? How does she know these women as soon as she came to town? I think they're all I think they're all centralized. They all came together at Gloria's salon. That's what they all have in common. And I think, you know, salons are like really close knit and they talk. And I think they're just girls that came in here, talked their business to each other sometimes and probably only went over the highlights and not all the heartbreaks and stuff like that. But they just hung out, you know, as friends like that. And I'm really surprised that as much as, you know, Gay Buddy knew how much, you know, Bernadine was hurting and offered her a ride and everything like that. I'm surprised that he wasn't more of a character and wasn't the fifth, you know, sisterhood person you know, in their groups or at the wine nights or even celebrating in the middle of the desert on New Year's. Like, I'm surprised that he doesn't have a more, you know, important role in their quote unquote friendship. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. But I think for this film, um, that's that's just not what the focus was going to be. Yeah. It was going to be relationships between women especially being that you know it's based on a book so it wasn't too much wiggle room there right right and um yeah i think i think for me watching this movie again i just had to peel myself away from the um the assumption that they were all this close you know and that's what allowed me to then see all the cracks in each of their characters and why they were not able to save each other from much of anything. I think it was yeah. the blind leading the blind, the whole movie. And, you know, I told myself I wasn't going to really talk bad about, um, going ahead Terry and do McMillan, it. Terry McMillan, mm-hmm. because I, I do love Terry McMillan's books and I read them. Um, and as you guys who've been listening for a while know, this is the second movie that we're covering that's based on a Terry McMillan book. Um, but sometimes I'm confused by the actions her characters make. And it's not to say that she's a bad writer. Maybe she writes them to be this complicated or these sucky women. But <laughs> I'm like, I'm just thinking about Stella and I'm thinking about all of these four women and the fact that they're making these bad choices, but the books celebrate them as amazing choices. She was Shonda Rhimes it's before baffling. Shonda Rhimes. Like just horrible storytelling and like watching the decline of a major character make stupid relationship decisions. Like what in the heck is going on? I think this is like, what's the word I am looking for? It's like self defecate defecating like that's not the word you're looking for it might no no it's not the word <laughs> give me the word because i think i just said something totally off oh, you did. deprecating <laughs> right oh my either gosh. or okay defecating too these self deprecating <laughs> <laughs> characters that you just watch them slowly tank and go down the toilet bowl. Yeah. It's it's just one of those things that I really want to 
Well, I mean, not to be all up in her business or anything like that. Terry McMillan actually did make the decision from how Stella got her groove back. But I'm like waiting to exhale. I'm just like that was based on her life too. Women, half of the women made decisions that shouldn't have been celebrated the way that they were at the end of the movie. Oh shit! So Angela Bassett is like her Denzel to Spike Lee, huh? Wait. Explain that analogy to me. It's Harry McMillan's two films. Mm-hmm. Both starring Angela Bassett. Spike Lee did tons of films with Denzel. You know, like sometimes they have a muse. Like directors, like okay. directors usually use like a like a muse. Like Spike if you Lee, know. but Spike Lee, like we we're gonna get into this in the next episode. But Spike Lee definitely keeps his people around. Yeah, he's like he's just like Keenan Ivory Wayans. Like you get your people and your people are in your movies, but you know who, you know, who is in the other Terry McMillan movie that we haven't covered. I don't know what other Terry McMillan movie. Disappearing Acts. Oh yeah. There you go. Your boy Wesley. And. Oh God. No, no. It's like the candy man right now. Like every time I say, <laughs> every time I say Sanalekin Doug, like something bad happens to me. <laughs> something bad happens, yo. But yeah, Sanalekin's in that movie too. Goddamn. Yeah, I mean, it is. Do you think that Wesley was supposed to play Tay Diggs' character in in uh? How Stella got a group back. Do you think that Tay Diggs was her no. first choice? I don't know if Tay Diggs was her first choice, but I don't think it was going to be Wesley. Hmm. I, I mean, I, I can see Wesley, Wesley doing the, the, the role pretty good, though. Yeah, but Wesley doesn't look like even back then, he didn't look all that young. Yeah, he got an old face, just like uh, <laughs> just like Loretta <laughs> Devine. L- Loretta Devine, Gloria got an old ass face. That's why it, it was hard for me to think of them as all friends. I'm like, yo, that's the mom you figure. Know, you know, watching this movie though, you know, watching this movie, and I mean, no disrespect to Loretta Devine. I love her original Dream Girl, all of that. Incoming disrespect. Three, no, it's not disrespect two, towards her. One. I think that Titus Burgess. You know who that is? No, not off the bat. Let me okay. look it up while you talk. Yeah, you look it up. Titus Burgess, I think that he studied Loretta Devine's mannerisms. Because I'm telling you, when I was watching this movie, watching this movie, I just keep seeing Titus. And it's not I'm not saying that Loretta Devine looks like him. I'm just saying when I see her movements. He looks like and, her, yes. And her facial expressions and stuff. I'm just like, this is Loretta Devine from Waiting to Exhale. Like, this is Titus. What the heck? Yo, that's funny. I, I think he studied her. He looks just like her. You oh gosh. See, I wasn't I wasn't. Wait, he's in the that. Little Mermaid. Oh, he's on the screen version. Like the the play version. I guess he was the, the lobster. Okay. Kinda creepy. Oh, man. But yeah, waiting to exhale, guys. Ooh, ooh, ooh. ooh. Hey, um, it's, it's different watching it, you know, as an adult. It's Very different. You know, you know what made the biggest difference for me, and I, I know you're gonna say this, 
but ever since all of this relationship talk the past year during quarantine and stuff intensified it made me look at this movie completely different completely different because it really it really puts the line in the sand as to what the issues you know beginning look like and it's a lot of lying to yourself in the mirror it's a lot of false uh you know independence it's a lot of false you know support from friends that are in worse positions than you but they're like go ahead girl do it raise that kid by yourself you don't need him that is stupid it's dumb it is it is even a bad father is a bad father is better for kids than a total absentee father i mean i don't know that i completely agree with that I'm not but, talking about bad as in like abusive or nothing like. But I mean like even a father that's like, because uh, let's let's say let's call it spade a spade. Uh, Gloria is a disconnected mother. She does what he she needs to do to give him his needs, but sociologically he is damaged beyond repair at this point. He is he now really a, wanted his father. And... He needed his father and wanted his father, and she was like, "No, it's just you and me. Deal with it. I love you." No. The father didn't come around, but like she knew that he needed a male role model. And I'm not saying that she should have jumped into a relationship to get him she didn't back. Need that. But she wasn't even open to the idea. Some 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 women will pawn their sons off to like their football coach or their basketball coach, and that's the father figure. Look at LeBron. He 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 goes he talks about his uh basketball coach often. He was a father figure to me. She didn't have to sleep with him. She probably did, but she didn't have to sleep with him. But she got that fatherhood, you know, vibe from him, at least. And, of course, LeBron's pops wanted to pop up when he was, you know, on draft day. You know how they do. But you, you, there is no substitute for a father's impact in the life. The presence alone, at least it does something. Even if, he, even if a bad father's present, at least he knows what he doesn't want to become. He may become it, too. But at least he knows that I don't feel good. This doesn't, this isn't like, why don't you ever play with me? Why don't you ever, you know, take me, you know, anything. At least, you know, that you feel something when you have nothing to gauge. But just an imaginary, you know, thought of what a father feels like and you get to see other people with fathers. That's damaging. It's damaging. And I do think that some kids would rather have an imperfect father than none at all. Yeah. 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 And, you know, those those early years and everything, your parents are superheroes because you don't see their flaws yet. Yeah. You don't know enough to see their flaws yet. You don't know enough. You don't know what you don't know. When they're not there, you don't know what you don't know. And sometimes that's that's more scary than anything, really. You know? Yeah. And I mean, a lot of us, you know, we get to that age where we start seeing stuff with our parents and understanding their flaws and even sometimes still saying, you know, it was, it was a really bad thing that my parent did that, even though I understand the trauma that they went through to make them make that choice, it's still a trash choice. So mm -mm. like some, some people when they're dealing with that, it's, it's hard to balance understanding your parent as a human being yeah and also you know not necessarily being mad but dealing with your own trauma 
mm-hmm. that that happen because your parents have flaws. Yeah. And you know, I think it's every parent's responsibility at some point. And it's okay if you wait till, you know, your kids adulthood to explain this. But to really take ownership and say, "Hey, even if it looked like it, things weren't always perfect. I wasn't always the best parent. I could have done this better. I could have done this more." Like you know, don't idolize me. I had some things that I had to sort out while you were a little kid, while you were older. And I think it's, you know, Gloria has to be able to sit her son down instead of, you know, trapping him in, you know, the entrenchment of of church and everything all the time. Sit him down and say, hey, I did the best I could because I really loved you, but I did use you. And I did, I did, I I fucked you up for the long term. She, she owes him that. And that's what Savannah's mom owes her. And that's what um, Bernadine owes her son. Because there's a big difference between how her son and her daughter treats her father, um, treats their father. Big difference. Yeah. And she is literally encouraging her son to be upset at his dad and there's no excuse for that and we we kind of you know i I know we're coming to the end time but uh i just want to give a shout out to wesley snipes character because he showed bernadine something in one evening that she never was able to see from any other point in her life and that is that life and love can be beautiful and people really do men really do love their wives sometimes I don't think she believes that. I don't think she's believed that for a long time. I remember when um, Savannah came over and she saw in the background that uh, Bernadine was watching her old um, footage of her being married, you know, her marriage footage in the background. So she cherishes that moment. There was real love there at some point. But after so many years and so much heartache, you start you start to think that every guy that you come across is going to be like this. Every guy is going to hurt you. And sometimes a guy will be in the most um, tempting uh, environment with a woman and still say, I love my wife. And it's possible. (laughs) It's very possible. Not to mention, not to mention, she was almost going to go off on dude because, you know, he was married to a white woman. And she was like, she was still triggered about her husband doing his thing. But she gave him. Brandine has a way to go before. I think we're going to see her in a real relationship. Oh, yeah. And it might even be with that guy, but then he's going to have his work to do, too, after losing his wife. And the thing, I guess, when you do have a sick family member um, and you know what's inevitably going to happen, it's like you kind of start the grieving process before the person is really gone. Mm -hmm. So I'm not saying that it makes it easier necessarily, but... It starts the the countdown, I guess, a little bit sooner than if somebody passed away suddenly because there's like shock plus the grief. Yeah. 100%. Um, so who knows? Like if she ended up with him, but I do think that she she has some days ahead of her where she really has to do some work. Yeah. 
And I, I do remember even for myself, like the first time you meet a guy who makes or who reminds you like it's possible for love to actually happen and just because you lost this love doesn't mean that you don't deserve another one mm. yeah and I think and it doesn't necessarily have to be somebody that you're in a relationship with because in my case it wasn't somebody that I was in a relationship with it was a platonic friend who helped me to see this like just because this situation didn't work out it doesn't mean that you can't have another one and you can't have a quality person you know love you again so I'm happy that it seems like she had that person I don't know if at the end of the movie they end up together um Gloria I think she ended up with the neighbor only because she's a safe dater and that's easy. He literally lives next door. She almost messed it up, but you know, she figured it out. Yeah. yeah she... And of course, we know Savannah and um, Robin don't have any men at the end of the movie. Listen, th- this movie was 1995? Um, that sounds right, but I feel like it was. I think it was 95, not 98. I think it was 95. Yeah, 95. I was going to say 94, but I think it's 95. Yeah, they still ain't got no men. Savannah's character and Robin's character, if they're real people, if this was real life, they still ain't got no damn man, and she still got that damn dog. Let's let's be real. Let's let, let's keep it a buck. Okay? And and her son um Robin's son is now what? 26. And he's probably a terror. I don't think so, honestly. I think that even though Robin made the choice at the end of the movie, I think Robin ended up with another man who took on her child. I think that unlike Gloria, she probably opened herself up to having a man. Mm. And, you know, that's his stepdad, but, you know, more like his real dad, bio dad, I guess. And they had a happy little family. Mm. That's what I think. I think Robin was out of the game. Having the baby slowed her down with her prospects. You know, I don't think it was Michael. Oh, no. Michael wised up. But a, a Michael-esque person in her life. Another submarine sandwich. Michael on the inside. Russell on the outside. Oh gosh, that's what y'all think that you, see, and that's another thing. We y'all think that those just walk around in packs. No. <laughs> because no. No. The only reason Michael was like that on the inside is because his outside is what his outside is. That's not true. And Dang. you know, y'all say that a lot. And not just men, not just men. Some women say this too. Somebody that we know has said this before, and I disagreed then. We have to stop this idea that looking good means that you feel good. Looking good or being attractive means that you're an evil person or that you're um, you have some sort of flaw Mm -hmm. that if somebody chooses to be with an attractive person, then they're just being shallow because 
oh, you're you're with this um, attractive person, but it's a terrible relationship, or you're with this attractive person, but they're dumb, or you're with this attractive person, but they're evil. Like, come on now. People can be attractive and good people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you're I'm, not gonna find the evidence of that in a Tyler Perry movie, but but, but I'm, I'm people, all I'm saying is that it it doesn't happen in groups packs. Like it's not like everything out there, you know. But yeah. But I I do think I do think that the world is kind of shallow, and some people have access to options. Mm. And I think that Robin was gonna have some options. Even being a single mother with a child, she's going to still have some options. She'll have options. So they it, probably do come in packs for her. It, it She'll have options, but it'll be like, I've, I've re- I read this somewhere and <laughs> I'm not saying it as a statement of coming from me, but I read that having that on your jacket is similar to having a felony and you're looking for a single job motherhood sometimes no for no single parenthood it's like okay. it's like having it's like having a felony you may not get the job you want you 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 can get a job but a lot of the jobs that you're looking for that you really want they're gonna say no and you know that's the thing that i thought when i ventured back into the dating scene right that was not my experience well, at all that that in age though you're young still. And I mean, Robin was. Wasn't she, weren't, weren't they like mid-30s? So Savannah was my age. Like, I remember her saying her age in the movie. She was okay, my age. Okay, so like 42. And I think Robin, Robin and Savannah were the younger two. And Bernadine and uh, Gloria were the older two. You didn't even catch that. I'm so happy. What'd, what'd you say? Nothing. I didn't say nothing. You know, you know. I'm going to have to go back and listen to this anyway. Yeah, go ahead and listen to it when we post it so we can get some views. <laughs> but at the end of it, um, yeah, it, it's like it's kind of like, you know, having a felony on your jacket, whatever. So hopefully I hope for the best. But, you know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I think that I think that her mindset is gonna kill it. I think her mindset is gonna kill it far more than um. Than than her actually having a kid, so, but good luck to her. I don't oh, see it, man. I feel like um I feel like our listeners might be a little bit mad with us, maybe for running this particular film for them, mm-hmm. and I am willing to listen to some of the messages that our listeners send. So in case you didn't know, we do have a site on anchor.fm. Um, you're going to go to anchor.fm forward slash GLS pod. Again, that's anchor.fm forward slash GLS pod. And when you get there, you will see an option to leave us a voice message. If you prefer to leave us a different type of message, like on our Facebook, our Facebook link is going to be right above it. Click that. Go ahead and like our page while you're there, and you can send us a message, uh, and we'll we may add it to a future episode. As long as you're not cussing me out, because you know I'm sensitive as hell. I feel like people won't cuss you out. <laughs> 
hey, people probably cursed me off for some stuff I said in this episode too, but <laughs> it's fine. We don't have to. We don't have to include them in our episodes. But if you want to leave us a voice message, that's how you do it, guys. So until next time, we'll be back. Oh, next that. time, yeah. Next time we're gonna come back and put this grits conversation oh, to rest. Ah, uh, you know what'll make it better if you're eating grits while we talk, just so I could. Oh lord, that that'd be awesome. That'd oh, be man. awesome. I don't want to give the movie away, so you have to come back and listen to the next episode, guys. Definitely. But till then, all right, y'all. Bye. All right, couch potatoes, that's the end of our episode. Join us next time when we warn something else. Until then, later.